Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Retrospection. Our normal episode has been delayed because, well, Paul has a sniffly nose. So in this first, and possibly last, segment, I'm calling Cine Serious. I'm going to take a look at Peter Yates' bullet and how a British director served the French new wave. It's like a regular episode, but without the detail and the jokes. What do you mean there's normally no jokes? In 1960, French film critic turned director Jean-Luc Godard released his first feature film, Breathless. The film is a love poem to the Hollywood crime thrillers that filled the cinema screens of his youth. Yet, Godard was an integral part of a new cinematic movement labelled the French New Wave, which changed the way some films were made and examined. They broke the rules of classical Hollywood by drawing attention to the craft itself and allowing the director more freedom to express their own identity within the work. This transformation slowly seeped into the consciousness of American filmmakers and elements of this new style trickled through their work. It was not a sudden or a dramatic change, but one that became evident over a number of years. Some critics say it began in 1967 as Bonnie and Clyde grasped this independent approach to filmmaking while a year later, the manufactured pop group The Monkees joined maverick auteur Bob Ralphelson in an experimental film known as Head. However, in 1968, British-born director Peter Yates captured some of this new enthusiasm by helming superstar Steve McQueen in the crime thriller Bullet. While ostensibly it could have been a generic affair, Yates took some of the radical methods of filmmaking from his European peers, added a dash of British independence and mixed them with the techniques of classical Hollywood. You work your side of the street, and I'll work mine. Naturally, Goddard wasn't the only French filmmaker cresting this new wave. However, he's particularly important because of his idolization of American films. Breathless tells the story of a small-time criminal who, after stealing a car, kills a policeman and turns to his one-time American girlfriend to help him escape from France. The film contains many references to Humphrey Bogart and to film noir. Breathless also contains many of the tropes of the new wave. The editing is abrupt with a strong emphasis on jump cuts. These slices of time have the effect of disrupting the chronological flow of the narrative. The camera work is mostly handheld, which visually makes the film resemble a documentary, and it is shot entirely on location with only the aid of natural lighting. Because of the lack of directional sound equipment and the noise levels of the camera, the audio had to be dubbed in afterwards. At first glance, Bullet seems to be far removed from the raw artistic direction of Goddard, but there are many influences. Yates' thriller is about a no-nonsense San Francisco cop named Lieutenant Frank Bullet, who is tasked to protect a mob witness. After an incident, Bullet becomes suspicious of his superiors and decides to take matters into his own hands. This was Yates' first American film. Previously, Yates had honed his skills on episodes of Secret Agent and The Saint, and quickly progressed into cinema with three British features, Summer Holiday, a rock and roll musical centred around Cliff Richard, One Way Pendulum, an eccentric comedy starring Eric Seitz, which has him as a man who's trying to build a replica of a courtroom in his living room, while his son steals those uh, speak you wait machines and is trying to teach them to sing as a choir in the attic. And meanwhile, a neighbour comes round to eat the leftover meals and is paid for this service. I mean, if you like absurdist British comedy, it's worth checking out. Also, he made the excellent robbery with Stanley Baker. 
This interpretation of the true life great train heist of 1963 is the closest in style to Yates's US debut. It's interesting that Goddard's first film is from the crime stable, and Bullet, as Yates's first American film, is also from that same genre. The main character is played by Steve McQueen, and he is supported by established actors like Robert Vaughn and Simon Oakland. The film is most recognised by its music, the setting of San Francisco, and the seemingly lengthy chase sequence that punctuates it halfway through. The green Ford Mustang GT that Bullet throws around those hilly streets has become an iconic image. Yet, the film is far more than just those eye and ear catching elements. In the opening sequence, Yates sets up the tone of the film by alternating between grainy monochrome footage and colour. The lighting is sparse, and the shots reveal very little exposition. The mystery is not just pulled from the narrative, but in this sequence it is derived from the images themselves. While the film does settle for a naturalistic colour palette, many of the techniques exhibited in this credit sequence are explored even further within the film. One of the influences of the French directors was the Italian neorealist movement, which used non-professional actors and on-location shooting. Therefore, one of the most distinct features of Bullet is that, like Breathless, it is filmed entirely on location. Even the interiors of apartments and hotels exist in San Francisco, although the names have been changed, perhaps to protect the innocent. An example of this realism can be found when the narrative moves to scenes set in a hospital. Lieutenant Bullet's witness and his police colleague have been wounded and are rushed to the emergency room. These interiors are filmed at San Francisco General Hospital rather than on a constructed set. The lighting relies on the murky fluorescence of the hospital corridors and the drab institutional painted walls. In order to push the realism even further, Yates insisted that all the medical staff and police extras were not actors, but people employed in the roles they were portraying. And this is obvious in some of the ways that lines are delivered, but it also affects McQueen's own portrayal of his character. He is subdued, almost laconic, with very little physical movement. In many ways it matches the lack of performance from the non-actors, and yet it provides an even stronger presence. Now, what went wrong, Lieutenant? Who else knew where he was? What? Who else knew where he was? For a film that is famous for its memorable Ennio Morricone bassline, there are a number of scenes that are devoid of any music or non-diegetic sound. One such scene occurs when Lieutenant Bullet is waiting for an important teletype of a face to be transmitted. The results of which determine whether his theory was right or wrong. If he is correct, then all his actions have been justified. If he is incorrect, then it is likely that he would lose his job and face charges. In the room with him are Walter Chalmers, Robert Vaughan, an ambitious politician that is trying to control the investigation, as Captain Bennett, Simon Oakland, and Baker, Norman Fell, who is Chalmers' right-hand man. The scene is filmed with a mixture of medium shots and close-ups focusing on each character's face, and close-ups of the teletype machine. Nobody speaks, and there is no music. The only sound is the whirring and clanking of the impersonal machine as it warms up, receives the communication, and begins to print. This sound resembles a clock ticking away the moments towards the reveal of Bullet's fate. All the tension and dramatic moments are portrayed in the actors' faces. This dialogue free scene runs for only a minute, but seems dramatically longer and more powerful because of the way it's been filmed. While Breathless was forced to recreate its diegetic sound in an artificial manner, 
bullet is able to utilize higher quality equipment to achieve the same documentary effect. One aspect that the French New Wave is famous for is the ability to comment on the filmmaking process itself, and this meta approach draws attention to the artificial nature of all narrative-driven film. For the most part, this is lacking in Yates's film, and it's understandable. While he's pushing the boundaries of what is possible in a mainstream Hollywood movie, he still has to remember, he's selling popcorn. But it is possible to argue that there is some level of meta-awareness within the film due to McQueen's involvement. McQueen was one of the biggest stars at the time, and had a huge interest in motor racing. To increase the realism, it was decided that the car chases would be performed by the main actor himself. However, after a crash early in filming, his driving was scaled back and some of the more arduous scenes were done by stuntman. Still, the fact remains that when you employ a superstar who also races vehicles to play a character that drives fast cars, you are blurring the lines between reality and the myth. It's a technique that Tom Cruise employs today in the Mission Impossible franchise. While it's easy to say that there are other American films that break the rules of classical Hollywood to a greater extent than Bullet, this is clearly not Yates's motivation. His intention is to create a symbiosis of the two filmmaking techniques, like Goddard taking a traditional American crime story and infusing it with his own particular style, Yates has done the same. Bullet was just an early gunshot in the evolving battle against classical Hollywood. Well, thank you for listening to this very short special episode of Retrospection. Maybe it felt longer to those listening. A normal pun-filled frivolous look at film will return with a sideways glance at Logan's run from 1976. But for now, goodbye.